Fierce Femme Media. Exquisite. You, they found, do you want me to start with it? No. That's right. Okay. No. Good, e- <laughs> Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the weekly wind down. Um, I am Jackie D, the literary lesbian. I'm Julie, the not so lipstick lesbian. Oh man, it's weird when we're right next to each other. Like, I know. I know. We need like geeky gal pals and stuff to space us out. <laughs> and tonight we are joined by Shannon and Emily, and they have a new podcast out called Finding the Thing. Where, well, I'm going to let them talk to you guys about it, but they focus on all kinds of fun stuff, including sex and kink, which that's not typically our jam. So they are experts. No, I'm just kidding. I wanted to see. You should see. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, oh, oh my God. And all your questions live to Shannon and she's going to answer all your kink questions. Okay. Right, right, right now. Uh, uh, tonight I am drinking um, Harney Lane uh, Chardonnay. It's from their Scottsdale Vineyard, which is just a fancy way of uh, calling it a vineyard in Lodi, which it's whatever um i don't know chardonnay isn't that white yeah i'm a little surprised listen i didn't get a chance to go to the store and two it was like 90 degrees here today so i felt like something Uh, a little bit light it's It's spritzer plus listen i gotta drink it because uh mom's coming to visit so I got to drink up all the white wine. Yeah. Before she gets here. <laughs> Just kidding, mom. Clear the house. She doesn't listen. No, she doesn't. <laughs> I even asked her the other day if she did and she doesn't. Well, she listens to us rant enough as it is. So <laughs> I am drinking. Uh, I have all kinds of leftover alcohol from Isaiah's wedding. So you took it I'm, with you? All of it. You shady ass. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't technically take it. Just nobody had happened to unload it from my trunk. Julie and I are number one and two of five kids. And number three got married. Our only brother. The rest of us are girls. So we were just there last weekend. So she sounds like she took the remainder of the alcohol from the wedding, which is so on brand. Yeah. Listen, I didn't take it. Just nobody had happened to unload it from my car. So I kept it. (laughs) All right. Things just worked out. They worked out real well. So I'm drinking... uh, crown peach with my signature red bull and a cup Ooh. of water in case i get thirsty <laughs> your signature red bull the sugar-free red bull okay yeah <laughs> i okay. have uh louis martini cabernet it's 2018 sonoma she's, County. she's too fancy for us yeah is it <laughs> so that's what i'm drinking i also have a glass of water okay fancy pants (laughs) shannon's real fancy yeah yeah a little bit with my wine i'm drinking out of a bendy rubber cup and i have a starbucks (laughs) whatever works (laughs) yeah yeah and i'm emily and i have a craft hard seltzer by two robbers it's a brewery i think in central pa and it's um pineapple ginger so it's very refreshing Ooh, sounds okay. so good do you can you put it up to the screen so i can i, I love those kind of things okay uh, zero, zero sugar. sugar zero sugar so wh- what are, i wonder what they sweeten it with um or just the pine like is it just a bunch pine? of shit that's going to give you cancer i, I know <laughs> that's what i wonder it's cold fermented cane sugar 
So okay. zero sugar, zero sweetener. That seems a little sketch. That seems that has weird, cane right? sugar in it. Yeah. How yeah. does it not have sugar? Maybe they mean they don't add sugar. Maybe it's naturally occurring in like pineapple. Perhaps. Mm. It looks tastes like great. It's a fancy yeah. can. <laughs> yeah, it looks like an IPA or something, but it's it just does. little salts. Yeah. I'm a sucker yeah. for marketing. Yeah. yeah. Me too. Yeah. Same. I'm like, I like the way that bottle looks. That's mm-hmm. cute. Yeah. It's fun. Same. All right. So why don't you guys tell us a little bit about yourself and your podcast? Okay. So, well, I am an exposure therapist. And I specialize in treating OCD and anxiety disorders. And I own a private practice. Can you fix Julie live on the podcast tonight? I can try. (laughs) Is there something you want to try? We can try something here tonight. Like some Um, type of religious ritual drop. (laughs) Um yeah. So and Emily, um, Emily works with me, so that's how we know each other. Mm -hmm. And Um, the podcast kind of came about, I was feeling super isolated and disconnected, um, just because of the pandemic. And I was wanting to figure out something else to do besides therapy. And so I, um, I just started figuring out ideas and working on that and talking to Jackie, actually, um, trying to see how you guys had gotten started. And then um, Emily came on board to work with me and I was like, hey, do you have any interest in joining me on this podcast? And so then we just kind of started recording and and went from there. yeah. You know, what's cool is I've told Jax before, especially during the pandemic, because I came onto the podcast kind of later than everybody else. It, I always tell her I'm like with my job, cause I work seven days a week and I'm constantly just in work mode. Like even when I'm just chilling in my bed, like I'm working, mm. the podcast is my time to put the phone down, to relax, to, it's almost kind of like, uh, with, with the podcast, you almost kind of get to like journal with yeah. each other and like go through what you're thinking and how you're feeling. And I think it's super therapeutic. It's like my most favorite thing. So I get that. Like yeah. you're wanting something more and how to express yourself differently. It helps a lot just yeah. getting to be around or talk to like-minded people and kind of just put your thoughts out there. And if it snags, it snags, you know, right. Like, right. That's cool. Yeah. And you're really in the present moment, like not on your phone, just really engaged, mm-hmm. doing stuff you love. Yeah. We mm-hmm. don't really always make space for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. I weekly love- grind. Yeah. yeah. I love it. I, I mean, really the goal was to try to figure out, um, mostly for selfishly at first, um, figure out what what would bring me happiness and joy. And, and then the podcast kind of became about how do I help other people? You know, how do we help other people explore that and figure out what are the things? So, and that's where finding the thing that name came from. Um, How do we help other people find the thing that brings them joy or, you know, lights their fire? What, what really, what really is it? 
Y'all are going to start, if y'all take off, you're going to start getting all kinds of messages. Hey, this is wrong with me. How, how do I fix this? Uh, well, we do not have the answer to everything. Yes, they do. We want to try. Yeah. We're going to have to work on you marketing yourself a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're in the state of Pennsylvania. We want to yes. schedule a session. Yeah. Yes. Or South Carolina. Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. um, you have a lot of people that I, I, I think are want to get into some type of therapy or counseling and are scared to go to that first appointment oh, or totally. are nervous, you know, cause they want to meet the person first or, you know, everybody I think has a fear of like, what are they going to tell me is wrong with me? You know, it's like mm-hmm. going to a doctor. So I, I mean, that could be a huge marketing tool for you guys to people to get to hear you. You both have very calming voices and are very chill. Like that. I mean, that could be a big thing for you guys. So people just kind of get comfortable and hear you. And I'm not going to fall asleep. Are you Joel? What do you mean? <laughs> from their calming voices oh i know <laughs> i know i'm not gene <laughs> right jeez gene will sit here just just take um, a snooze <laughs> what do you what do you guys hope uh when you're doing your podcast that people take away from it like what's the what's the main thing you're trying to accomplish yeah. yeah. Do you want to, well, yeah. a couple of things. Do you want to say something, Emily? Yeah, for sure. I think a, a really big piece of it is really encouraging people to prioritize finding joy and happiness, right? Like as adults, we spend so much time working just the same mundane things over and over. And do we really take time to like find the things that we love or that light us up? Like it's so easy not to do that. So I hope that this is a reminder to folks to like carve out that time. What makes you happy? What makes you laugh? What makes you uncomfortable? Do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we also really, yeah, we really want to model and encourage like embracing discomfort and trying new things and just kind of challenging doing that kind of work with yourself to that will help that will help you to grow. Yeah. Do you How think awesome. that, do you guys think that, um, you hear a lot of like the, the buzzwords and cliche things around like happiness isn't a destination, it's a journey. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. like you'll never actually achieve it. Like, it's just something that you're constantly working towards and stuff. Do you think that part of the reason that people struggle with, um, kind of the self-discovery of therapy, because it really is about like evaluating, at least in my experience, it's about evaluating yourself and kind of what makes you tick because what works for me, is it going to necessarily work for Julie or, you know, Aaron or Stacy? Cause we all have different things that that make us run and that make us happy. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you find that your clients or your patients, or I'm not sure how you refer to them in different scenarios that they struggle with the acceptance of the whole journey that they, they kind of have like an end in sight that like, if I just get here, everything in my life is going to be okay. Like, is that one of the harder things to, to communicate to others? I, I think so. But I would say fortunately and unfortunately, we we are treating disorders that really, really requires us to focus on that, like focus on embracing uncertainty and 
really trying to be, be present and to feel the discomfort and to recognize that we can be happy and we can have a happy life along with these feelings that come with it, you know, and, and trying to make room for all of that. So, and that is part of the, the experience of being human, uh-huh. you know, so there's going to be pain, there's going to be anxiety, um, all of that. And that is part of the journey. Totally. Yeah. And being human, you have that spectrum of emotions. They're not good or bad. It's just some are heavy and darker. Some are really light. And it's really like Shannon said, making that space and being really okay with all of the feelings, however they show up and how we can really honor them and not fight them. Mm -hmm. I think Jax has always told me, um, and my grandma even told me that growing is painful like learning is painful. You know, if it were easy, everybody would do it. And we would all be at our peak, you know, of who we are and going through all those kind of things and learning about yourself. It's hard, you oh, know, and, totally. so, and, and sometimes you need guidance to get there and help mm-hmm. to get there. That's, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah, well, self-reflection absolutely. is like one of the most painful things you can do, right? Because nobody likes to admit when they're wrong or when they have shortcomings or whatever, but once you accept that you do and everyone does, it's easier to notice them when you do them. Like I, I know that I tend to have a shorter temper with things, but I calm down real fast. So I'm able to identify that when I feel myself getting worked up being like, can you just skip this part where then you're calm and then we don't have to go through the anger, anger portion. I haven't quite reached the ability to skip mm-hmm. over it yet, but <laughs> I think self-realization and is, is so crucial. And I don't think enough people have it because um, I know Shannon because she's friends with my wife, who's also a therapist. And what I, when I listen to her talk, not about specific patients necessarily, but one of the common threads that I've heard over the last eight years, that Lex and I have been together is a majority of what it seems therapists do is teach people how to cope. Like you're never going to get rid of all of the bad stuff. You're just teaching people how to get through it in a healthier way. So something I've noticed with like Lex, like having a therapist in my personal life is sometimes just hearing somebody say, I understand why you're feeling, not that I'm right. You're rarely right. I'm rarely right. right. (laughs) I'm like a hothead and I just can't like you, Jax, I don't calm down. I I can't ever let myself get to that mad point. Cause then it's like, I'm not coming back down from that. (laughs) It's mm-hmm. like sometimes just being able to vent to somebody who just says, I understand why you, why you're feeling the right. way that you're feeling and not valid, not validating me, but just an open ear to just, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it, it means a lot. And, it and does. Lex, totally. Lex has been amazing. Yeah, you're welcome. Like that. I'm going to send you a bill. <laughs> she, she, she is she is she, awesome and she's so empathetic and like look you know look at it like this or you know maybe go about it like this sometimes it's almost too much for me because I'm like okay Lex I'm just mad okay I don't want to hear <laughs> right. why I don't want to <laughs> right. um, like, I don't, I don't, I, I reason right now <laughs> but um no it means a lot just having somebody to bounce those a level-headed person that to bounce those things off of and just to tell you I, I hear you mm-hmm. you know those are really powerful words I think just mm-hmm. I hear you So a lot of the stigma has been removed from therapy and mental health in the last few decades. Um, 
where, what areas do you guys think we still need to make improvements in? Yeah. Um, I, well, I, I personally don't think question. stigma has been removed enough, but I am thankful for where we are. Um, I think an area that needs work is normalizing the use of psychiatric medications. Mm. I really think that's an area where people struggle to feel like that's okay. Um, so people taking antidepressants. And I think, I mean, honestly, if you talk to like, I don't know, out of the four of us, I don't know how many of us are taking antidepressants or, and we don't have to disclose that, but, but I think, I mean, let's go around in the circle and everybody, tell <laughs> but, but I'm just saying, like, I think that probably at least one of us out of four might be taking an antidepressant and, um, and I can say that's, that's me out of the four, I'll acknowledge that, but mm -hmm. I just, um, I think it's a lot more than people think. And, um, yeah, I just think that we, we really need to work on that. And I, I'm not sure how to make it easier for people to think it's okay when they need that help. Well, I think, I think kind of what you just did, Shannon, saying it out loud, like mm -hmm. if I, I don't personally take them, I have in my life, mm -hmm. I don't currently take them, but I think when it, it's kind of like when one of the reasons, and we're going to trust me, this will make sense in a minute, but one of the reasons that gay rights got pushed so quickly and, and moved so fast forward more than any other civil rights movement in our country's history is because people started coming out. It was really hard to say that you didn't love or appreciate or care about gay people when your sister came out or your daughter came out or your cousin came out or this guy who you really liked at work came out. It, it, it put a face to it. And it wasn't mm -hmm. just some boogeyman that people could create in the abstract of being, you know, dangerous or cruel or, or ungodly or whatever other types of descriptors they tagged on to um, after, you know, gay, lesbian, trans, whatever. Um, when you come out, so to speak, and people are able to actually, because humans by nature are communicative. Like we want to be part of society. We want to talk to people. We need to be social in order to survive to an extent. So mm -hmm. I, I think once you start seeing who actually takes these uh, medications to, to help them get through life, because that's what it's doing. It's helping, it's helping you mm -hmm. cope. It's helping mm -hmm. you, you know, live your life to the fullest. Um, I think once you can start putting faces to it, I, I think the stigma continues to go away. I know I was kind of surprised. Um, I listened to a lot of podcasts. I spent a lot of time in the car commuting and um, the amount of young podcasters that talk about mental health now so openly and freely and the medications they're on and their sessions with their therapist. And there's even therapists now airing their sessions on podcasts, uh, of mm -hmm. course, with permission of, sure. of their clients. But I, I do think it's, it's when we are able to put faces to it, that it's not as scary. Um, you mm -hmm. see that these people do, they're not weird. They're not, they're not right. being locked up in some room somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like having a conversation human to human. Like we're all on this journey of life together and we're all flawed and perfect, have so many beautiful parts to us too. And we're all just doing this life thing together. And I think too, there's like a huge component where people might think like, oh, like um, this person might judge me or this person might know more about life than me. And it's like, 
no, like truly we're in this together. Right. And I think, you know, just putting that out there that, you know, it's a collaborative effort, you know, we're not going to sit there and tell you what to do. Like we're going to figure this out together. I think like for me personally, I know during a certain point, I, I think a lot of people feel like this, the more I'm, I've been going to counseling now for two years and it's really opened my mind to a lot of different things. Like they have non-narcotic things that you can take for, you know, help your serotonin levels and things like Mm -hmm. that. And, but I think for me, like even going to counseling was very, made me very anxious Mm. and like, until I met my counselor and then, you know, it opened me up a lot more and she's amazing. But, um, I think a lot of it too, like has a lot to do with the opiate epidemic and the abuse that people use for, Xanax or whatever. And I think that that Mm -hmm. scares a lot of people away from it. Like, I don't want to get addicted to something like this, even though they might actually need it. And they're, you know, people that are worried about it are not the people that are going to abuse it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But but I, I, I think that puts a lot of stress on people to be open to taking things like that because of the, um, stigma around it and the epidemic, you know, the opiate epidemic. I mean, it does for me personally, but. Or to have it in your house. If you live with someone that has abused things in the past. Absolutely. You know, you can't even have surgery done and want it in your house or, you know, it it makes you fearful of it as opposed, you know, and it's not, I mean, Jaxie said it perfectly. Yeah. It, It makes you fearful of it to have it even in your home, especially to be taking it because of all the stigma around it. And I think that if people were more open with it, it, it wouldn't be that, you know, cause everybody's different just because you know, somebody, or you are related to somebody or married to somebody that abuses it doesn't mean that you're going to, and it might actually benefit you in the way that it's meant to. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know? totally. And if it's like, so. if it was any other part of your body, like if you needed to take medication for your heart or for your liver, like nobody would think twice, but if it's for our brains, it's like, such a big thing it's like wow this is just another part of our body that we're taking care of really Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i also think um you know it generations before us really looked down on therapy or going to anyone with their problems or being willing to talk about things or totally you know i i I watch people of my parents' generation who, when you talk about therapy, they kind of roll their eyes about it as if, as if you're less than them. And it's like, all right, well, I've seen you bottle a lot of shit up for the last 40 years and lose your mind on people for no good reason that you should probably work some of that shit out in therapy and stop taking it on your kids. Totally. (laughs) I was one of, I was one of those people though. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I'm going to go talk to somebody that I don't know about my problems. That's stupid. Well, sometimes that's the best thing you can do is go talk to an unbiased person about how you're feeling. Who's not going to judge you, who just wants to help you. But I think it takes taking that step to do mm-hmm. that to in having a good therapist. Cause I understand that there might not be great ones out there, but mm-hmm. sure. taking that initial step to go do, but totally Jax, I was one of those people until I started going. Well, it's not just and really until I met Lex. There, it's not that there's not good therapists. <laughs> yeah. There can be therapists that just aren't a good fit for you. Sure. Like, yeah. 100%. Some people, when um, the last therapist I talked to, you know, one of the first things she asked me was, what kind of um, talk do you need to hear? Like, 
And I told her, I need you to tell me straight out what you think. I don't want a bunch of fluff around it. I don't need you to, you know, stroke my ego, tell me the 15 things that I'm doing right. And then the, then hit me with the like one thing, whatever, like, just tell me, tell it to me straight. I don't need all the fluff around it. But I was appreciative that she asked me that first, because had she tried to go about it with a softer touch, I probably would have rolled my eyes and been like, this isn't, this isn't going to work for me. Like I need the direct approach to it. Mm -hmm. I can't, I I don't want to read between the lines. If I'm telling you like the things that are truly bothering me, like you're not my wife, you're not my girlfriend, you're not my best friend. You can give it to me exactly how you see it because I know you're here to help me. So what would you guys say to someone who's on the fence about feeling like I really, I really do want to talk to someone, but I'm scared to actually make that phone call, get in that chair. Because I mean, in America right now, you guys know it, it takes, cause we do have listeners in foreign countries. And again, you're going to be shocked to hear this. That America's a clusterfuck. Mm-hmm. Um, and our health system <laughs> is whack. You could call in for an appointment and they could tell you it's going to be eight weeks before we can get you seen. And that's mm-hmm. a long time for someone to talk themselves out of some, <laughs> out of something, yeah, sure. you know? So what would you tell people if they were on the fence or, you know, not sure if therapy's for them. Cause I think therapy's for everyone, but mm-hmm. what would you guys say? I do too. Emily, do you want to answer this or? I yeah. I mean, I think, you know, you don't know until you try, you have a right to choose a different therapist. So if maybe the first one you go to, it's not the right fit. You don't have to continue going. You don't owe that to them and you owe it to yourself to find someone who is a good match. Do they take it personally? Do therapists take it personally? Because some people are afraid to hurt people's feelings. No, I think it makes a lot of sense. Like not everyone is for us, whether that's in friendships, relationships, even a therapist. If it's not a good fit, it's not a good fit. And like, Mm -hmm. that's totally okay. Does it mean anything about you or me? Do you guys not feel that also though? I would imagine like if somebody's like, hey, I don't think this is a good fit. You're like, good luck. Like I kind of felt like Mm -hmm. that also, you know, it's a relationship. Oh, for sure. Completely. And if if the, well, somebody's not feeling it, I feel like it's going to end up being kind of like a shitty first date. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't really want to see you naked. Yeah. Can we just (laughs) wrap this up? Yeah. Like sometimes, but I know I've had experience sometimes where I'm like, man, I like that person. And I felt like that was okay. I'm a little surprised or something. So, so yeah, I mean, I think that's like dating too, where one person Mm -hmm. likes the the person and the other one doesn't. So I didn't see it coming. Yeah. (laughs) They ghosted you. Yeah. Yeah. That happens too. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that happens in therapy. Um, I would just say, you know, just do it like it, you know, take that step, make the call. Um, You know, I I think it's worth it. You know, as hard as it is to take that step. It is hard. Um, And I I honestly wasn't I hated the thought of therapy until Jackson Lex and Jax told me she said, they're in therapy. She goes, I think therapy's for everybody. And I'm like, "Ah." and I got to a point in my life where I was like, okay, I, I need to go. (laughs) Like I'm at a point in my life where I really want to talk to somebody outside of my circle and all, I don't think I'll ever not go again. And, but there is, even when I talk to but but what's interesting. So I've had both things like talking to people about going to therapy. You have the people that are like, I'm not going to do that. You know, I'm not going to go. And then you have people that are like, really? 
I have been thinking about doing that. So has it helped, you know, people that are like how I was like on the fence with it right. that you actually, they're like, Oh wow. Really? You're in therapy. Like, like I would never yeah. think that's great. Yeah. yeah. You know, like you, you, you seem so like you don't need therapy. Like you got your shit we together. We all need fucking therapy. Okay? Mm-hmm. It's nice. To, it's like, I walk out of therapy feeling like I worked out, yes, you know, it's I like, love it's, that. it's, it's yeah. so like, Oh, I did something good for myself. I'm in a clear mind space. Like my therapist has taught me how to meditate and how to relax and how to, she's taught me that, you know, anger is actually like physiological and how to get, remove yourself from situations. Like it's, it's a whole thing. And, but a lot of people don't realize how much you can actually get out of it. And it feels so like you you should go to therapy and walk out feeling like a weight's been lifted off your shoulders, in my opinion, because that's how mm-hmm. I, I've always felt walking out of therapy. Yeah, it's, and it's amazing. I, it could be uncomfortable too, because it could be stirring up some stuff you haven't dealt with. Yes. So it could be okay too, to feel a little bit worse. Cause you might be like really mm-hmm. sitting with some shit you haven't touched in years or like whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, that's true too. I was going to say that too, Emily, like sometimes you leave and you are not feeling better. Not yet, <laughs> yeah, but you so, get there, but you can have yeah. both, you know, you can feel really great, really wonderful. And it really is such an investment in yourself. Mm-hmm. What do you guys nowadays- say to the people? Sorry, Jax, go ahead. What do you guys say to the people who are like, I'm only doing that. You guys have eight weeks with me or eight sessions. And that's all I'm giving you. I want to be fixed in eight sessions. <laughs> okay. Well, let's. Well, you know I'm what I mean. Some, some people, some people think of it like. Uh, oh, I'm I'm up for the challenge. Let's see what we can do in eight <laughs> weeks, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think it all depends on what you're coming in for. You know, if we're talking about years of trauma or something, we're probably not going to fix that in eight eight sessions. But maybe I don't know. Yeah. Do people you know? say that? Like it's like a diet program. I want to lose this amount of weight in this well, amount of time. <laughs> well, we often talk to people about we provide certain types of evidence-based treatment that is really following like eight to 20 sessions or 15 to 20 sessions. So usually we are kind of mentioning that when we first meet with people. Um so maybe people do come in thinking, all right, three months. Can we get this done in three months? Well, maybe I'll be good. Depends, how, depends how hard you're working. Yeah. I'll be completely fixed in eight months. <laughs> right. I'm going to be perfect. We do assign a lot of homework, like doing stuff outside a session. So that way you're really integrating like what we're learning, what we're discussing and really trying to to try it out on your own. So like, that's a big component to like, when people are really willing to do the work, do the hard stuff, face the fears, like, yeah, we see a lot of growth that way. I love the homework. Yes. Yeah. I I most people do. Honestly. I love the homework. Well, that's when you actually start changing yes. right. and yeah. seeing your flaws is integrating what, okay, cause anybody can, it's like going to church. Anybody can go there and fill their mind with a bunch of bullshit Yes. and walk out and feel and better about be the themselves. same person. Oh, I went to yeah. therapy today, you right. know, but it's actually implementing it into mm-hmm. your life and into the issue while you're there, you yeah. know, and then, mm-hmm. well, it's not a lot. It's not very different from physical therapy, right? If you get an injury, you need right. to go see a physical therapist, do your stretches, do your exercises and, and make yourself stronger again so that you can 
uh, work on being whole. It's just mm-hmm. an invisible injury. So that's mm-hmm. why people struggle with it more. Yeah. Um, I, can I say one, one other thing please. before we move on? I just wanted to say, like, I would love to see people look at therapy, like, like they look at having somebody that they take their car to, or, um, having a medical doctor that they yes. see throughout their lives, where it's just kind of part of like that, you know, that group of people that you have that, that you use and it's a normal thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like a tune up. Yeah. yeah you're, you're, you're just getting tune ups. I, I mean, I see couples sometimes and they're like, they're coming in. Sometimes they're like, we just want to see you. We want to make sure we're doing what's right for our relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? And I love that. I think that's great. It's like maintenance. Yeah. Do you you can even yeah. go to therapy when things are going great in your life, not just yes. when things feel really terrible, you know, like all the seasons of life, you can benefit from checking in with someone. Do you find it harder to, so do you guys both do couples or do you do individuals or do you do both? I would say generally both, but, um, mostly individual. Mm-hmm. My, so when I talk to my therapist, she, cause she sees both of us and then she has seen now both of us together. I've, I've heard from her and from other therapists that it's a lot, it's very difficult to see couples are a lot harder because you're navigating like two different personalities and stuff, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and trying to help both. Right. Instead of yes. just one, I've mm-hmm. heard that that's really difficult to navigate that. Well, you've yes. also um, been told that you shouldn't see both of you. Yes. <laughs> Separately. Our situation was really unique. <laughs> like, whatever i don't want to call it out on here but oh, no, let's, let's do the whole thing you want me to get lex in here we can you're gonna have to you're gonna have to i did want to talk to you guys um because since the uh takeoff kind of of tiktok there's a lot of people on there giving out a lot of information about mental are you guys on tiktok no, no. but oh, we're missing out. We are missing out, but I have a lot of clients that will share some things from TikTok with me. So I know everything's a, a trauma response. Everything's yes. like, if you're an overachiever, it's a trauma response. If you like pleasing people, it's like, there's all of these terms thrown around. It's like so trendy right now. Yes. Yeah. Everything is, you know, it, like my algorithm is, it's constantly telling me like you have ADHD. If you're seeing this, you have ADHD. And I'm like, I 100% do not have ADHD. Right. Like yes. <laughs> I live with someone who does. And I assure you, I do not like yes. that. Is not <laughs> no, everybody. I've, I've had people tell me they have ADHD. I'm like, no, you don't. Right. Like, you know, and then everything, everything's a trauma response. So I'm like, nah, I think that's just their personality. Like some, so some of the things you hear a lot are things like narcissist, anti-personality, anti-social personality disorder, borderline personality disorder. Um, OCD gets thrown around a lot. So what do these things, what do these terms actually mean? And well, I'll get to the second part later. What do those terms actually mean? Okay. So, well, some of those terms that you threw out there are actually part of like something called the cluster B personality disorders. Um, Obsessive compulsive disorder is not part of that. It is a completely different um, spectrum of disorders. Um, So I do want to say that. Um, Do you want to talk about this, Emily, or do you want me to talk more? Um, I mean, I think 
these do get thrown around a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of, I was, when we were talking about coming on and, and talking about some of these things, um, there was a show recently, uh, called dirty John and, um, so again, yeah, or it wasn't Netflix. I don't know, but mm -hmm. it was, again, we're looking at like antisocial personality disorder or narcissist within that. I can't, I can't remember exactly. I watched it a long time ago. Um, so I think, and, and the term like psychopath and sociopath is thrown around and those fall into this same category, um, of disorders. So we're talking about like a lack of empathy, lying, manipulation, um, controlling behaviors. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, the instability. Yeah. Are they as common as people make them sound? No, no. Like, it, it goes back to that being trendy. Like I remember seeing all over Instagram, like you're either a narcissist or an empath. There's nothing in between. So I would say it's not as no. common as social media is making it out to be. And I have clients mm -hmm. ask me all the time, do you think this person in my life is a narcissist? And it's like, it just, it's not that common. Right. Well, and I think we have to remember there's a spectrum of all of mm -hmm. these things and people can have traits of right. things, but that doesn't give them a diagnosis. And some people can just be an asshole. They can. Yes, <laughs> totally. Yes. Or can so. just be sympathetic. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, so, I will so say. Do you think that happens a lot with uh, people like misdiagnosing themselves? or misdiagnosing their partner or, you know, something like that, where they're like, you're, you're a fucking narcissist. narcissist right. You yeah. Know? I mean, I think it can happen. I definitely do meet people who have had relationships with folks with these disorders. So, uh -huh. you know, I don't want to say that it's not common. Um, definitely the borderline personality disorder. We do see that a lot more frequently mm -hmm. than we would see someone with antisocial personality. Lex is always Lex telling me they're borderline. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, all of us. All of yeah. us have borderline okay. personality. Oh, no, not goodness. all of us. Just everyone you've dated. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Probably right. So, <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know the percentages or the statistics on any of this, but I, they're definitely more common. Um, but, <laughs> excuse me, um, something like narcissism and borderline personality disorder, things like that, as opposed to, well, I don't know, Shannon, this is way more your area of expertise. And Emily, it may be yours also. Mm -hmm. Um there's not medication you can take for like narcissism or borderline person. Like it, it is, you have to work through it. Correct. Like there's not an ass asshole pill. Yeah. <laughs> there is not, unfortunately, there is not an asshole pill or antidepressant that's going to make it better. Um, with borderline personality disorder, usually people are not very responsive to the medications mm -hmm. um, and they'll go through lots and lots of medications, but some might help. Some of the things I think, um, Julie, what you were mentioning earlier, maybe a benzodiazepine or something like that, that might provide relief. To... Yeah, that's what the non-narcotics. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, they might respond to something like that, but probably mm -hmm. like an antidepressant or something like that may not be super helpful. Now, I am not a medical doctor, but I just know right. what I've seen through lots of treatment. I know a lot of people on that, uh, and I'm not trying to promote it or anything, but on that benzodiazepine, and it's helped them a lot because it's not narcotic, like 
especially addicts or whatever, even what my best friend, I'm not going to say her name is, is on it. And it's, it helps her balance her, uh, serotonin. Her anxiety is like gone down a lot from taking that. And it's not like Xanax or, you know, does it knock her out? It just kind of how, how, how it was explained to me is it slowly elevates her serotonin in a more natural way. That's we're talking about the same thing because <laughs> I, I don't think so. For some reason, Julie, I don't think we are because, um, the benzodiazepines are actually highly addictive and unless I got lied to, which is okay. possible. So I don't know. And so I just want to make sure we're not putting misinformation out there. Mm-hmm. So, it um, is. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, So yeah, it's, we actually, in the work that Emily and I do in treating anxiety disorders and OCD, we really, really don't want folks um, taking benzodiazepines because they really, they really, let me just finish one second. They, um, they really, um, (laughs) they really should be used for panic type situations, you know, or like maybe like immediately following a trauma, some type of situation like that, but not used regularly because people do develop a tolerance to them. Um, they can be very helpful and feel very, very helpful. Um, so, and what we don't like about them in the work that we do is we are actually trying to get people to see that they can tolerate the feelings of discomfort that they have when they have anxiety. And, um, and when they take those types of medications, they are not actually able to get their levels of anxiety to a point where they're able to have that learning that they can tolerate that feeling. And they're kind of teaching their brain that, well, I can just take this pill and I need this pill to be able to manage my anxiety. Yeah. Uh-huh. It just kind of masks it. Yeah. What about uh, the term OCD? A lot of people throw that around like, yeah. And I don't think sure it, do. it doesn't mean what people think it means, right? Like just because you like your house clean doesn't mean you have oh, OCD. No. Not at all. Like, <laughs> no. Or like Khloe Kardashian coming out with like an app called like CD, like not, something okay. like that, showing her fridge all like neatly organized or something. That's not OCD. So you just have like I mean, a lot of time on your hands. Yeah. yeah. Like, and a lot of money. <laughs> right. So you, what, Joel? Um, Zoloft. Oh, that's a, that's about. an SS. Okay, that's you were so close. You were so close. No, well, I'm like benzo so, That literally so has better. the word benzo. Yeah, which is, which is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking yeah. about Zoloft. Okay, Sorry. perfect. All yeah. right. Yes, that's, that's, that's actually what, what I take. Saying. Zoloft. I take Zoloft. I had to redeem myself. So, <laughs> it's gonna take a little longer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I, I mean, I would be glad to talk about OCD a little bit more. I don't know if yeah. you want to, Emily, too, but just yeah. that there are so many um, different subtypes of OCD. Um, some folks have thoughts that come into their mind um, about harming other people, um, thoughts about being a pedophile or molesting children, um, Mm -hmm. thoughts that are unwanted and intrusive Intrusive, in nature, you know, sometimes images that come into their minds, and then they, they engage in compulsions, which might be like assessing themselves, like do they feel a certain way when they're around a child or um, avoiding children altogether? 
or uh, maybe avoiding a kitchen if they're worried about stabbing their partner, um, different things like that. So that's one aspect of OCD. Um, do you want to talk more about some other areas? I, I, yeah. Think, I think OCD and I think of like, like you said, cleaning and washing yes. your hands. Or yes. And it's so much more than that. Because yeah, so people much don't more. know, you know, and there's so, not that education or awareness. What, what you just described to me would be sociopath. Right, and not but that's all. not what that is. No, no, they're unwanted actually. thoughts. As human beings, we all experience intrusive thoughts. Like, you know, uh, like if you're driving, have you ever had the thought like, oh, what if I just every took day. my car? And, right, oh. right. I thought you meant like, oh, this asshole. What if I drive my car off the off bridge? The right, right. 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 Yes. So people like most people have intrusive thoughts throughout their life. However, people with OCD, there's that like inability to just dismiss them. Whereas like, another person would be like oh that was a weird thought I'm gonna let it go or like somebody with OCD it gets so stuck for example somebody could be cutting something with a sharp knife and some like one person might think okay this is a sharp knife I could really stab someone with this and a typical person would be like okay that's a freaking weird thought and move move on however somebody with OCD that could develop into a huge obsession why did I have this thought what does this mean which would create anxiety and yeah and so distressed and then that's how it forms an obsession and you think you are a sociopath and you can't stop thinking about stabbing what people, if I go crazy yes yeah why did I have this thought and then before you know it it's like months later and you're like avoiding knives avoiding Aww. watching the news and it can become so distressing and they're yeah. not ever gonna do they're it never they're never gonna act on these it's things. ego dystonic oh. it's, a, it's opposite of our our morals and our values yeah how Horrible. Which is it's why like, they're not sociopaths or psychopaths. Yes, yes, right. exactly. Because sociopaths would be like, I could stab somebody. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. Oh, that's you more know, of a psychopath. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but... <laughs> oh, yeah. God, that would be awful. Yeah. Oh. So it's so distressing and people don't know because they think like, you know, you all shared like OCDs, like contamination, cleanliness. Right. It's like that could be part of it, it for sure. Sure. For sure. Oh. We see a lot of folks with contamination OCD too, and some types of organization and things like that, but there's so many other aspects to it. Is being a, uh, because as you said earlier, everything's kind of on a spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. So is mm-hmm. someone who is a legit germaphobe, like Howie Mandel, is that a form of OCD? Just on so, a, like a sliding spectrum of it. Like, yeah. So that, I mean, I don't even like that term when people no. say, oh, <laughs> I'm a germaphobe or whatever. Cause like, what do you mean by that? Do yeah. you actually have, especially OCD? nowadays? Oh, right. Well, <laughs> do you have OCD or are you just like very particular about something? Um, and I do think everyone's a germaphobe now that we've had a pandemic mm-hmm. or they like, should be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kinda. And <laughs> I mean, we practice not we practice being gross and dirty and doing all sorts of things like that. That's part of treatment generally for OCD and contamination. So Howie Mandel, I don't know enough about his case. I feel really sad for him every time I do hear about him because I don't think he's ever received the proper treatment or has chosen not to have the correct treatment Mm -hmm. because it seems like he just engages in compulsions and avoidance of, yeah. So that's, that's all I really know about him, but he probably, he has OCD contamination type. 
Yeah. And I want to go back to something Shannon said, how like in treatment, we practice being gross and dirty. So really with the treatment that we do, we do exposure and response prevention therapy. So what we do is we engage in exposure. So we go towards the things that make us feel uncomfortable. So someone who has contamination OCD, they might be really engaging in compulsions and cleaning and washing and engaging in all of these rituals. So we would have folks really reduce and eliminate the rituals and then go touch something or expose themselves mm. to something that's contaminated and really allow that feeling to be there. Um, and do stuff that might be gross and dirty and just repeatedly, repeatedly and, and allowing themselves to stay in that space of discomfort for a period of time. If this was something that, uh, your loved one struggled with, or, you know, your child, would you recommend trying to go through these processes on their own or to seek out like your help with it? Absolutely. Seek seeking out um, exposure, a a therapist trained in exposure and response prevention. Um, It really is the the gold standard treatment for OCD at this point in time. Um, So yes, that's that's what I would recommend. Because if it goes sideways, you want someone there that could talk them through it. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And with OCD, so like Shannon said, ERP, exposure and response prevention is the gold standard. But what we don't want folks doing who have OCD is just regular talk therapy because a huge component of talk therapy is reassurance and trying to get people to feel better. And that's actually the opposite of what we do in ERP. For other stuff, talk therapy can be super helpful, really like what that person might need. But for OCD, that's really not the case. Mm-hmm. So like you were saying, Julie, you feel great, like a rock star when you leave your therapist. Eh, our clients are like, man, I hate her because she just made me dig through the trash. And now I have to go ride, drive in my car or whatever with dirty hands and stay oh. in this for hours or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So it's very different. Well, I'm going I'm to I'm tell you guys, honestly, Lex is not a fan of my therapist. <laughs> so, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, Lex, Lex does uh, not like my therapist, but um, that what, what you guys are saying really resonates with me. It's, it's a lot of good information. It actually, Jax has kind of reminded me of my, I don't want to name names, but our friend in high school that ended up getting diagnosed with OCD and all this stuff. Some of the things you guys are saying about uh, then the knives and the, mm-hmm. the obsession yeah. with stuff like yeah. that is interesting because I don't wonder had he gotten help prior, it wouldn't have turned into what it turned into with it, him in a full on break mm. where he tried to hurt his dad and things like that. So I'm wondering if there's a certain level where somebody with OCD who, who like you said, have those, has those like obsessive thoughts and stuff um if they don't seek help if they do seek help like it's just interesting you know to Mm -hmm. to hear you guys because that's like exactly what happened with him Mm. is he was having these thoughts and stuff but his actually turned into something violent Whereas I, which probably means that he would didn't just have OCD. He That's what I was going to say. Well, yeah. He also got diagnosed with bipolar. Okay. So, so, so he was having different things going on with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really interesting to you guys. Cause that's, I'm like, damn, that's like, if people would be more open 
about because I think I, I mean in my opinion somebody like him would have been scared to go talk to somebody thinking that they were just going to go lock him up because who wants to go say they're having these thoughts right it's totally you know, hard yeah. you're like I'm crazy yes you know what's what's wrong with me like something's wrong with me even though his was a little bit different but you know you're you're thinking like you don't want to go tell a medical professional that I'm having these obsessive thoughts because you think I'm a psychopath right yeah. You know, you know what I mean? So it's interesting to hear you guys say that because I think that if more people had more knowledge about how stuff like that actually works, it would prevent a lot of bad stuff. Right. Or that. even like clinicians or other therapists or other folks in the mental health field might not have the awareness or the education surrounding mm-hmm. OCD. Mm-hmm. And then folks might be out here getting 302 for stuff that are just like, if they're just intrusive, unwanted thoughts, but to say it out loud to someone, they could misconstrue it as like, oh, this person right. might be homicidal. And it's like, no, they're having OCD stuff and this is not what they want. It's like yes. unwanted thoughts right. and urges that like they do not want to have. So I think there's just surrounding OCD in general, so much work to be done around that like education piece. Yeah. yeah. So for sure, if you find yourself in a relationship with someone who has, let's say, is a narcissist or has borderline personality disorder, is there a way to be with them in a healthy relationship? Mm. So, and I don't mean to make you, this is a gross generalization. I know everybody's different and like the levels of it are different but if they're like I really do love them and I want to try and work it out what would they need what would be the first step to try and work it out yeah so I'll comment on the um borderline personality disorder um there used to be this great book that I would recommend it was called uh walking on eggshells taking your life back when someone you care about has borderline personality disorder and so there's a whole chapter in there for people who are in a relationship with someone with borderline personality disorder and um or family members and it really focuses on boundaries and how to not engage with the person um so so again, I think even for the narcissism, um, I would just be really focusing on boundaries, um, both for both disorders and with the narcissism, I think it's hard to say, can you have a healthy relationship with a narcissist? I don't know. Probably not. If we're talking about true narcissistic personality disorder, probably not. Um, You know, and I I think really being able to define and and know what um, a safe person is and what like a healthy person is and what that would look like in a relationship, you know, someone who is is willing to compromise someone who's willing to acknowledge their, um, when they're wrong and apologize, Uh um, someone that isn't controlling. Um, there's so many other aspects to that, but those are just a couple of things that I'm thinking of right now. And, um, and being able to recognize, I I don't think this is answering your question, Jackie, but just being able to recognize red flags, Mm. you know, when you're out there and you're dating or you're in relationships, just knowing what those red flags are. Um, 
Tell us the best parts from your episodes about kink and your sex therapist and why people should download those episodes. <laughs> we're lightening it up. Now. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to take a hard left into kink. Okay. <laughs> so we we did a whole series and I'm going to let Emily talk. I feel like I just cut her off. Um, but we did a whole series on dating and we had lots of cool dating stories from individuals that were 22 to 71. And so we, we have a whole series on that. And, um, so that would be something cool to listen to. And then my friend that is a sex therapist came on and did three episodes with us talking about sex therapy and alternate always wanted to meet a sex therapist. <laughs> yeah she's very very cool yes. um, they always are, you know i yeah. wanted to do more than meet one but i just want to <laughs> okay. be gross oh, well i'm not being well, gross but that's so like god i want to major in that yeah. yes <laughs> it does seem pretty cool she has a lot of interesting things she does so um, and so she talked about infidelity and what mm. actual like sex therapy looks like, and then also kink and um, oh, alternate sense. relation, yeah, relationships. So I always picture the mom on uh, that movie. Sex ed. No, not on sex ed. On Meet the Fockers. <laughs> oh yes, the yes. Mom. I always yes. think that, like wearing the caftan. Yes. And like, hey, come on in, Donna. Yes. Like, Yes. Um, so I just so, want to be best friends with a sex therapist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want so to have we, mimosas. Yeah. Um, kink. I, what do you guys want to know about kink? I don't know a lot about it. Emily, do you want to talk about it at all? But we learned a lot. Yes. We learned episodes, so much. So it was so helpful. Just, just how like people can have like arousal to, you know, all sorts of things that are non-sexual you know, and I was asking, I was asking her actually to explain to us what the difference between a fetish, because when I was in school, we learned about fetishes, not kink. And so I was very curious about the difference between fetish and kink. And so I'll define that. Is, that. that is yeah, an interesting difference. difference. Yeah. yeah. So the difference is um, that a fetish is you need the thing to have sexual gratification, whatever that thing is. And so my friend on the episode talked about somebody being like aroused by balloons and that's their kink. And so, um, or I think diapers or something like that. Like those are, were two types of kink. Like and, an inanimate object. Yeah. Right. Something, something that's not related to the human body. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, I just had, I had a hard time understanding it, but it was, it was very, very interesting. And so, yeah, with the fetish, you would need that thing to have sexual gratification. Otherwise you would not be able to get off basically. How does, how does one develop something like that? Is it like something that most people experience from like, it's just a thing that they're into, or is it usually start somewhere? And you may not know the answer to that, but I like, how does one a balloon, huh? I'm just like, that's... well, I know. How do you discover? I don't know. Like, that's not a question she right. answered for us. And because I was thinking that too, how would you discover? Like, all of a sudden, <laughs> maybe you rub up against a balloon. I don't know. Like... I get it. Like, <laughs> you do? Okay. Everything turns me on. Like, I understand being able to look at something. Oh, that's sexy. All like, right. it, yeah. I think, I think some people, I 
have big have like sexual imaginations yeah that other people maybe don't think the same way or something like that like it's the way you're pro or maybe you're more sexually fluent than others mm-hmm. or however you want to put it but i mean i get it. a balloon if that right. what turns you on that's what turns you on boo boo right yeah <laughs> right like, do your I thing yeah do your thing yeah, yeah as what long as you're not hurting anyone else or anything right yeah, sure. yeah. 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 it's not like you know disgusting and it's legal mm-hmm. you know right yeah and one thing that came up i really loved how um Drea phrased it was like don't yuck somebody's yums like people have different preferences mm. even though it might not be your thing you know you can still be supportive and just let them do their thing yeah we don't kink shame as long as yeah. you're not hurting anyone in the process yeah doesn't matter right. to me. totally <laughs> yeah each their own that's how i feel about when um some people have like a real visceral reaction to like polyamory mm-hmm. you do you mm-hmm. is What's hey, that where it's a bunch of them yeah like yeah. if everyone's consenting adults but i don't really give a shit what anybody does or who they sleep right. with or you know yes we it. learned a, we learned a lot from her about polyamory too and actually one of our daters actually maybe even a little more from one of our daters that we had mm-hmm. on our dating episode um she was in a polyamorous relationship and really taught us a lot about that and yeah, so it was really cool i respect people that are like that because i would burn that motherfucker to the ground i'm so jealous there's yes. no way uh-uh. i'm so jealous too there's yeah, no there's way no i could be way. having any kind nope. of relationship nope. like that no nope. yeah. i couldn't either but i see the i didn't really get it until i watched um sister wives that tv show on tlc yes, yes. and even though it's not something i would personally participate in i get the appeal like mm-hmm. you only have to deal with this dude like one night a week (laughs) you get to and maybe it's because I like women yeah like I'd be like yeah I only have to see you once a week the rest of the time I get to just like hang out and do what I want yeah so I I see the appeal of it it's just not anything I think I could personally do well I think polyamory is different than sister wives though because polyamory yeah I mean polyamory every well no not necessarily not necessarily there's poly fuckery yeah Sometimes they're all involved. Sometimes they're only involved with each other, but it's like open relationships and they all like live together. Like sometimes there's all kinds of aspects to it. And it's not always the same thing every time. It's what the partners involved decide it's going to be. Those people are yes. bigger people than me because I could not fucking do it. I would, I would burn that motherfucker to the ground. As soon it as takes they started, a lot. Yeah, I can imagine. No way, way more than I want to know. Yeah, that oh is. Oh my gosh. Well, they even. T- I mean, when you listen to people who are involved in those relationships, they t- they discuss struggling with jealousy and stuff. Like it's not always a walk in the park for them. It's oh, not. Yeah, you know, totally. Are well, they that's where than us maybe but maybe maybe that's they have guidance from a sex therapist too or something i don't know you know one thing drea really brought up was having like a contract for the relationship so clearly Mm. expressing boundaries hard Mm. nose what things look like let's really define infidelity like let's really talk about what that looks like it could be emotional it could be digital it could be sexual like whatever that is like that's such an important component of all relationships but especially polyamory y'all are so great you're not allowed to fucking talk to anybody else the way you talk to me done (laughs) (laughs) doesn't she seem fun to date Uh, (laughs) 
what was something that you guys learned in those episodes that like kind of blew your mind? Poly we fuckery. Need- <laughs> yeah, I mean, we might need a minute. <laughs> yeah, there was like, a lot. There was learn. a lot. What we is were- poly fuckery? I'm gonna Google it. We were poly fuckery. <laughs> I think it's exactly how it sounds. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, um, sign me up for all the poly fucks. Yeah. <laughs> like what? What is that? I don't know what I learned that poly fuckery. So poly fuckery, I think, from what our one dater shared, was really just being able to go out and have sex, and she described it. Um, and some people might identify with just like being a slut, whatever that looks like for you, oh, just yeah, having sex. Too in a way that you want to, whatever that looks like having multiple partners. Yes, absolutely. Completely consensual and just like having sex. Mm -hmm. Oh, so you're just like, you just kind of do whatever you want. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, good for her. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever feels good. I hate the term. I, and I know this is what she used. I hate the term slut because I just think it's a tool of the patriarchy. Because mm-hmm. like men are not held mm-hmm. to that standard. Men have been polyfuckering mm-hmm. for millennia for, and mm-hmm. it's just right. seen as 100%. typical male behavior. But if a woman does it, it needs a specific title to it. Like that just yeah. irks me. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's strange because I think some people, because I feel that way too, but I think, yeah, in this context, it was used almost like in an empowering way. It was, I think it was it used looks- as a positive term. Yeah, which kind of felt different to me, but I guess, yeah, Mm -hmm. it just depends on the individual. Well, sure. I mean, some people that they don't, some gay people use the term fag as an empowering tool Mm -hmm. to turn it against the people who abuse it against them. I totally get that. It just irks me. Yeah. Like, why does she need a... It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, I hear you. And I, like, if she's I sexually open, why did why does she have to have a name like that? Yeah. 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 It just it felt. Yeah. No, I hear you. You get to be you. Yeah, I don't. I don't like the whole slut shaming thing. But I could go off on the whole purity culture. I think I have before on this podcast. Um, Poly so, might be my thing. I'm gonna have to look into this. Poly fuckery. The the fact that this girl has not been stabbed yet, or like her car has not been has your car keyed. Uh, no, but the windows it got stolen. Yeah, who kicked? <laughs> someone kicked your side mirror off too, didn't they? Yeah, for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're already doing the polyfuckery thing. Why don't you? <laughs> I love polyfuckery. <laughs> um, okay, so where, uh, what are your guys' tags like on what are your guys' key points on there? If someone were just to like be in a cert, the podcast search engine, are you under mental health? Are you under therapy I, are you under this could be part of your problem we'll discuss it afterwards yeah okay <laughs> we need all the help we can get this could be part of your problem i think yeah. mental health um and then i don't know what else okay we'll talk about it in a minute um i do want to bring up because i got about six emails about the baby formula shortage that's going on in the united states right now <clears throat> So um, some people were confused. The Senate actually, man, we're just taking all kinds of hard lefts this week, huh? Um, The Senate did finally approve the bill to pass the emergency relief fund for um, the the baby formula shortage. And for those people that don't know, there's about three companies that control 95% of the baby formula in this country. And 
I'm not even going to entertain the people who say, oh, just breastfeed, because that is not feasible for every woman for a hundred million reasons that uh, newsflash are none of your fucking business. And they could be as simple as they don't want to all the way up to they physically cannot. And again, it's none of your business. So um, three companies control about 95% of the formula. And the reason that came about, because I've heard a lot of bitching and screaming about it, is because there's a, a, a significant number of states that contract with very with specific organizations or companies that create formula for their WIC programs. So what they do is they purchase all of their baby formula from one, let's just say Similac, okay? Because that's what everyone's familiar with. So like if we live here in California and I don't know who California buys it from, so I'm just using an example. If they purchase all their WIC formula from Similac and they do this so that they can help keep the price down so that they can get more of it to distribute amongst WIC recipients. It's the same kind of concept that people use for, or that states use, or Medicare uses, or Medi-Cal for um, pharmaceutical drug negotiation. If they buy a certain amount of it, they're able to negotiate the price. Because of the supply chain shortage that we have uh, we have seen take place since the beginning of the pandemic, and there are a multitude of reasons that this is going on, all the way from um, supply chain issues to the war in uh, Ukraine and uh, with Ukraine and Russia to um, inflation is part of it, all the way down to um, the fact that the FDA went in to inspect uh, one of these warehouses and they found mold water bubbling at the bottom of one of the production sites. Okay. Uh-huh. Meaning they had to shut the whole thing down. Mm-hmm. All right. I know it's frustrating and I know it's scary. And it's even more frustrating when you find out that 95% of this power is consolidated among three companies. And because of that now we have infants that have nothing to eat, which is funny coming off the back of the whole Roe versus Wade debacle and the the shit eating assholes that are sitting at the Supreme Court. So um, one of the interesting aspects is there was actually nine Republicans that voted against it. Marjorie Taylor Greene was one of them because of course she was. And so was Matt Gates. And so was, um, I have a list right here. It's exactly who you think it would be. Um, the nine Republicans that vote against it. Andy Biggs from Arizona, Lauren Boebert from Colorado, Matt Gates from Florida, Louie Gohmert, which how, how does someone with that name even get to run for office? Like you're Gohmert, literally named Gohmert. after a cartoon. Yeah. From Texas. <laughs> Paul, Gosh, Gosser. Rough. <laughs> Paul Gosser from Arizona, Marjorie Taylor Greene from Georgia, Clay Higgins from Louisiana and Thomas Macy from Kentucky, Chip Roy from Texas. It's funny how all those states are passing all these anti-abortion bills also while simultaneously not wanting to feed starving infants that actually exist in this world right now. Lucky for us, the Democrats control uh, the House and they were able to pass the bill. And then the Senate did pass it unanimously. It's waiting on Joe Biden's desk to sign it, meaning an emergency supply of formula is going to be coming through in about the next 10 days. Here's one of the things I wanna tell people though. If you have enough to get you through for a week, do not panic buy, okay? Because you could have a neighbor or a friend that goes into your local grocery store that wasn't able to buy it ahead of time that needs to feed their baby also. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of people in a lot of different socioeconomic situations right now. There are some people that are lucky enough they were able to get into a store and buy three, three weeks worth of formula. Not everyone is in those financial positions. Formula is very expensive. Please do not treat this like toilet paper and stock up all of your cabinets because being able to wipe your butt and feeding an infant are not the same thing. So 
Can I ask something though, Jax? Is uh, it not weird that Bill Gates has a surplus of baby formula? I don't know anything about that. I didn't hear that. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard all kinds of stuff about Bill Gates. That he, <laughs> he, he's, he's. I don't know. Let me speak into my microchip where I got the vaccine. Bill Gates. Where? Hey. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Like he's actually the one who has a surplus of baby formula to distribute to everybody. That's weird. Like, why would Bill Gates ever even invest in baby formula? Where did you hear that? Uh, my friend. Okay. I didn't actually <laughs> look it up, but I mean, I'm, I'm assuming she's not lying. Um, well, I didn't say she's lying. I'm saying that it could be, uh, misinformation though it it could be but that's weird like why would bill gates have baby formula hold on i'm gonna pause it real quick while i look this up it's because so after we took a brief pause to fact check julie's crazy friends it is in fact false bill gates does not is not hoarding according to uh rudders is not hoarding a baby formula supply so and and fact check yeah so my bad everybody i'm sorry well no but if you heard it other people heard it too so that's absolutely not true tell your crazy uncle that that's not true and to stay off fox news and away from candace owens because they are a cancer i'll do better everybody i'm sorry (laughs) um but yeah and um for i did want to just give a couple just reminders to people it, I know it must be really, really scary if you have a baby at your house that you can't feed. I can't even imagine what you're going through right now. And that's awful. Um, but please, please, please remember that babies under one uh, cannot actually drink cow's milk. There's a protein in it that they cannot digest. Um, if you have nothing else to feed them for a few days, it would probably be okay, but it's not something that you want to rely on because you're getting frustrated with being able or not being able to uh, feed them. Please don't go off making your own baby formula. That can also be really dangerous. Um, it can actually um, harm or kill babies in the process. Aww. So well, mom, parents get desperate. You're talking about your you know, babies not being able to eat. It's terrifying. Um, so like I said, that's why it's so important that if you have enough to get you through for the next like 10 days to two weeks, please don't buy any more off the shelves. Let other people buy them. Um, there's plenty of groups up on, uh, social media right now who are people that don't have children that will look in their grocery stores for you. They will buy it. They will send it to you. Um, there's all people are also donating it to food banks if they're able to find it. So, uh, check your, your, um, local food banks and, um, yeah, it's scary. Hopefully the relief will come soon and we'll be able to make it through this, this next two weeks. But is, is this not so on point though, with what we're currently going through with Roe versus Wade? Yeah, that's what I said. It's gross. Like they only care about them until they're born for sure. It's like you have, it's like you have more rights before you're born. And then when you're actually born, well, the mom or the fetus actually has more rights than a woman. Remember we talked about it. Like you can't, even if Mm -hmm. you were to cause a car accident, let's say you hit me with your car and you were drunk, right? Like you were wasted and you hit me with your car and I needed a kidney to survive. You got two of them. Even if you were a match, 
you could not be compelled to give me your kidney to survive. Even Why? if you caught the, because you have bodily autonomy. No one can make you give me anything. You can't even be forced to donate mm -hmm. blood. Even if I was bleeding out and someone said you match your blood type perfectly, which we actually don't, uh, your blood can save them. No one can compel you to do that. Like, you so know my blood type. Yeah. That's cute. What, what? I don't even know my blood type. Um, so <laughs> fetuses have more bodily autonomy than women do. So, um, again, just, this wasn't, I wasn't going to turn this into anything political because we've already been on here a while, but please don't, don't panic by hang in there and remember these people when midterm elections come up in the fall, um, because they don't deserve to be in Congress. They're doing it for clout, for attention, because if they actually gave a shit about any of their constituents, that would have been a hundred percent unanimous vote across the board to save infants with, <laughs> Mm. with feeding relief in our own country. They're the same mm -hmm. ones always screaming about what about the kids on our streets who are starving? Well, you had your chance to prove it and you failed. So I, I, I hate these people. I hate them. I'm sorry. I can't engage with you more. This is normally Dempsey's thing where you guys can talk about all the stuff. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone but else yeah. have anything to add about it? <laughs> but yeah, fuck them. When Jack said, <laughs> oh. I'm on board. Uh, um, okay. Julie space corner. Okay. You weren't ready. You've been waiting for this all night. <laughs> okay. So it was real interesting. So they have found water on the moon. It's very exciting. So this size it's frozen water. But it's sure. the size of frozen water, the size of Connecticut and Massachusetts combined. Okay. What this means is, let me word this properly. It, it, it is frozen. Um, it's welcome news for NASA. So we're sending astronauts back to the moon, allegedly in 2024. Now, what this means is they could be a supply for drinking water for our astronauts over there it could be supplies for life and to actually end up one day having long term i gotta dumb it down for myself long-term astronauts on the moon if they have some type of water supply what they want to figure out is where exactly the water is coming from and everything else but having that amount of water on the moon means that we get an astronauts there long term to actually start populating the moon and possibly other things. Colonizing. It's very colonizing. Whoa. That's the word. It's very exciting. There's also other pockets of water that they're finding right now, um, but that's the biggest mass of water. And that's a lot of fucking water. The size yeah. of, I mean, Connecticut and Massachusetts, that's a lot of water. So they're hoping in 2024, when we send more astronauts there, that will actually be able to be just rotating so that we're going to permanently be on the moon and exploring the moon and figuring out what that does. It just happened today. It's super exciting. Who fucking knew there was water on the moon? Water. Never crossed my mind. Mm -hmm. Water <laughs> equals life. 
Yes. Wow. So I'm super stoked about it. And it means that we could actually have longer missions. It means that you can actually, we could plant things there and start growing. Obviously there's not a lot of oxygen on the moon, (laughs) but we could start figuring out how to colonize and create life on the moon, which would be totally. Then we can ruin the moon. Mm-hmm. Perfect. I don't feel like the moon. I don't feel like we could ruin the moon. I feel like the moon would ruin us before we ever ruin the moon. We're ruining Earth. <sighs> okay, Debbie Downer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited for your water pockets on the moon. That's very exciting. They're not pockets. They're <laughs> mass amounts of water, which water equals life. There's not oxygen there yet, but with us going there and being able to send astronauts there hopefully permanently with a water supply, we could create life on the moon, which would be monumental. I mean, that's huge. If Okay. No, it's wonderful. I'm super excited. That is exciting. We never even fucking knew that that existed. (laughs) I agree. It's amazing. Now it's frozen water. So we're going to have to obviously (laughs) melt it, transport it, melt it, (laughs) test it decontaminate it who who knows what's in them some of them life straws you you know what i want i want the the first bottle of moon water you and jeff bezos yes me and elon musk are drinking the first (laughs) me and elon musk are drinking the first bottle of moon water all right shannon Um, what are you obsessed with this week what am i obsessed with yeah she throws you right out there, Shannon. Jeez. Uh, All right, Julie, what are you obsessed with this week? We'll circle back to Shannon. Moon I'm water. Wa- I'm watching. <laughs> it is exciting. It is exciting. It's very exciting. <laughs> Even though you cut me off, it's very exciting. Um, oh, I did? I'm obsessed with this trash TV that I've been watching. Uh, I think I talked about it last week, but there's like eight seasons of it. So I still keep watching it um temptation island oh. and, and are you the one? Oh my god these people are so oh. ridiculous like I, just seeing how their relationships are so fucked up and then they go to these things <laughs> and it's like it's just seeing how they like change and stuff I'm like of course you're thinking outside of your relationship you have these people it's just such an unrealistic situation, but seeing how people change just even being away from their partner is so interesting. And like, I love it. It's garbage and it's trash TV, but it, I, I fucking love it. And I'm obsessed with you it. You can't turn it off. No, it's like watching a train wreck. Yes. Temptation Island. Your, mm-hmm. your, your relationship's already broken if you're signing up for Temptation Why? Island. The only okay. logical option is to take the relationship to Temptation Island. <laughs> like, that's the true test. I, I want to go to Temptation Island because I want to prove to you that I'm not tempted. <laughs> okay, <laughs> motherfucker. Like, oh makes perfect sense. They're the first ones to cheat. <laughs> yeah oh my gosh it's D- temptation island is fantastic garbage tv if anybody i, I forgot online. about that thanks for bringing that up you're welcome <laughs> I'm, I'm here all day yeah. <laughs> emily what are you obsessed with this week um so i'm always obsessed with rise nitro coffee um but especially so this good. week 
Yeah, have you had it with the oat milk? Mm -hmm. Oh, so amazing. The milk is the best, yeah. Yeah, so good. So I love that. And then um, Shannon might be equally obsessed with this, but Love on the Spectrum (laughs) just came out this week, a new season in the US. So that's like a good show on Netflix. What is it? Love on the Spectrum. Love on the Spectrum. So good. So good. Yeah, so good. (sighs) Shannon, what are you obsessed with? Well, I was going to say Love on the Spectrum. (laughs) I watched like five of the six episodes last night um so definitely that it's and a reality show based around people who are somewhere on the autistic spectrum mm-hmm. dating it's, yes. it's very good it's very heartwarming I think I cried at every one of the episodes last season it's very good yes yeah. so this was the American version and so this was new and I didn't love it quite as much like I did cry and love the last mm-hmm. two seasons um of the other one but it's still it's still really good yeah and so yeah and I've also I've been making this drink for myself um it's like green tea with um mm. key lime and mint in it and just a bunch of ice and it's just been really refreshing it's been warm here this week Mm. So I'm growing in mint. I got one of those. They're called like arrow gardens. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm growing mint and basil. I'm so impressed. You're going to be ready to colonize the moon soon. That's awesome. <laughs> we just did listen to our podcast episode on gardening. That was our last episode. That's what I saw pop no. up on, on the app store. On, yeah. on the podcast thing. Okay. <laughs> <So>. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. I started it. I, Ended my old job yesterday, started my new job today. And then um, Lincoln has been like struggling with, he's like having some trouble breathing at certain points. He's taking like these kind of random deep breaths. So we had him looked at for, we didn't know if it was leftover from COVID or if he has pre-asthma or he just has uh, allergy induced asthma. So he's on prednisone right now, a steroid inhaler, a rescue inhaler. Um, he's on all kinds of stuff. So he is real intense. Um, I hope it's just allergies. My allergies have been kicking my ass this year too. He got, he got a chest x-ray and they did still see some lingering effects of a virus, but he also didn't go to my brother's wedding last week because he was sick. So I don't know if it's from that or if he actually has some scarring from COVID. Anyway, they're keeping him on this medication for a month. And then if he's still not better, then he will, um, then we'll have to go see a pulmonary specialist. So uh, we'll just, we just have to see what happens. Is, little, is, is, is that something that's happening to younger people from after effects know. from COVID? The only thing I've heard about after effects from COVID and younger people is Stanford was doing a study um, that they're seeing some affirmation of that the kids who were, who are still too young to get vaccinated because like they still don't have a vaccine for under five, which is absolutely infuriating, especially because we're starting to see another surge. Um, it's like everyone just decided COVID was over. So we're not putting any money into it anymore. Um, they see, they do see an increased, um, an increase in diabetes. So, uh, huh. and not type two that that's actually diet and exercise related the di- type one, which is actually the autoimmune disorder of it. So, um, 
but he doesn't have any sense of that. So I don't know that, you know, COVID hasn't been come and gone long enough for them to make any definitive, right. You know, uh, scientific analysis. So we could sit here and speculate all day about it, but it doesn't make it true. So Stanford's still conducting that study on it. We'll see what the results are um, at its conclusion next year, but yeah. So <clears throat> hopefully it's allergies. COVID. Well, allergies have been real bad this year, like real, real bad. Mm-hmm. Even people who don't ha- struggle with allergies were struggling with allergies this year. And sometimes I forget his body's still so new to the world that Aww. stuff that's hard on us is 10 times harder on his little system because he's never seen it before. So I'm really, really hoping it's just allergies. And because, um, you know, no one wants their, no one wants their kid to grow up with any hardships, yeah. but asthma is really scary. Um, mm-hmm. But he's being a trooper about it, and he's finally stopped fighting us on all the inhalers and stuff. So um, he did tell me the other day, I do have to tell everyone, <laughs> I got him something. He's such like a little four-year-old trapped in like a 40, uh, four-year-old trapped in a 40-year-old's body because I gave him something the other day, and uh, he goes, well, that was disappointing. Aww. And I was like, <laughs> okay. So I told my mom <laughs> that, and he, she goes, man, he looks like Lex, but he talks like you, doesn't he? <laughs> so my three-year-old what he has to be disappointed about i don't know but apparently there's plenty in the world that is disappointing to him his popsicle's cold he's pissed yeah (laughs) oh it's really Um, going through it i know Uh, if all of our lives were as hard as lincoln's (laughs) we'd be you two would be out of a job i'll tell you that (laughs) man um everyone's drinks good everyone recommend their drinks yeah i yeah. definitely yeah. would i'm always Very gonna refreshing. recommend whiskey okay <laughs> <laughs> always every podcast i'm always gonna recommend whiskey well shannon emily thank you so much for joining us uh again if you guys want to find them on finds the thing it's available on itunes i'm assuming stitcher and yeah, it's actually finding the thing. Finding, finding the, thing. the thing. Oh, I'm yes. sorry. On Spotify. Spotify, Stitcher. Apple. 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 It's, a, it's also on the Amazon. Pod- yeah. If, if you just go to your podcast thing and say finding the things, they pull up and I'm already downloading them. Oh, um, awesome. Do you guys you. have social media that they can find you on? Yeah. Instagram. It, Instagram. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anything else? And also um, Instagram, we have is this OCD. Uh, so that's our OCD practice on there. Same with the website. Mm-hmm. Do you guys take video appointments or only in person? We are telehealth. We are all virtual. Yeah. Okay. All right. Can I just say this has been one of my mo- more favorite podcasts with these two? Aww. It really Thank does. Thank you. Like these two little cute little things. Just yes, absolutely. <laughs> Not like all the other assholes we normally have. Like, you know, we're just um, over here all in and just <laughs> hearing you. You guys are so nice. I'm like, can they come on every week? Reaffirming your just, feelings for the rest yeah. of the week. Shut up, Julie. I know. Uh, well, thank you guys for joining us. Thank um, you. For anyone thank interested, you. I will be on their podcast next week. So um, if you like listening to me blabber on about stuff, you can listen to me blabber on about some more. You're going to be on there? Yes. You're not going to be running the show? Oh, I'm definitely listening. I only Wait. run the show here because no one else wants to. Remember when we tried to let other people do it? It's terrible. 
terrible. It's terrible. It's a shit show. It was a train wreck. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Have a good weekend, everyone. Make good choices. Goodbye. Love you. (laughs) Bye. Have a good week. Bye. Bye. Fierce Fan Media.